preach you in Jesus' name this morning. The title of the sermon this morning is, Why Do You Wear What You Wear? So probably one of the first questions you had to ask yourself this morning is, what am I going to wear at church? <clears throat> so, when you stand in your closet, there's a lot of things determined with what you wear. Uh, the fact that today was Sunday determined what I wore. Um, I, I have much choice. I do have... Two pairs of pants that I'd either have a choice to wear to church, dark blue or gray, and maybe about three shirts. And so that, that's fairly easy. But So on Monday, uh, uh, I, last Thursday and last Friday, I um, made a choice of what I wear because I was painting. All right? So I don't wear my good clothes painting. Uh, so... Maybe the job, what you're going to do, uh, maybe the place you're going to go. Are you going to go camping? Or are you going to go shopping? Or are you going to go to work? Or um, maybe who's going to see you um, if you're dating? I'm sure that uh, you pay a lot of attention about what you wear if your girlfriend's going to show up or boyfriend's going to show up or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> it's surprising how things change after you get married. Um, I came from, I was highly influenced by my second mom, which would be in a Burke holder that knows how to stretch a penny from that wall to that wall, I think. And the Burke holders, they didn't buy new jeans, uh, rarely, I think. Uh, they just patched the front. So if you've seen a Burke holder in there, everyday clothes in Hagerstown, and they could be five layers in the front of their jeans, and that's not stretched. I'm serious, up to five layers. I mean, patch upon patch upon patch upon patch, and I moved to Ohio. My girlfriend was <clears throat> probably pretty shocked. A lot of people were shocked because I had jeans with three layers of patches on the front. And so, but I would never have only because I had I went there and I had to go to work and she saw that. Well, it might be if you're hot or cold. Depends what I want to wear. You want to wear. Uh, it could be if you're proud or humble. You know, people wouldn't be caught wearing blue jeans. Just wouldn't. I had a friend that he was 17 years old before his dad before his, he saw his dad wear anything but a white shirt. During the day, during the week, it, I mean, he just wore a white shirt. And he uh, came to work for my dad, working in the orchard, grading apples, and he bought himself a light blue shirt. And it's the first shirt he saw his dad wear. So, anyhow, uh, it depends if you're godly or ungodly, what you're going to choose out of your closet. Uh, maybe it would depend whether you're secure or insecure. Uh, whether peer pressure is a big deal in your life. Uh, you're going to please yourself or you want to please Christ, may determine. Uh, if you want to dress safe or you want to dress borderline. Uh, maybe it's if it still fits me. <clears throat> if 
through middle age. Or maybe it's what's clean and what's dirty. Uh, I don't normally wear anything out of the hamper. I think I have maybe a couple of times in my life, maybe two or three times, I had to dig something out of the hamper. Man, I'm tell you, that really stinks. And I'm not, yeah, yeah. Wrinkly, I mean, just like, oh boy. Uh, <clears throat> so when you stood your closet this morning, why did you wear? What you? Why did you pick what you did to wear? What what determined that? Something determined what you were. I think Arnie once said that every congregation has to be hung on the clothesline once a year. So, anyhow, turn with me in your Bible to Revelation 7. Remember, anybody remember that statement? <laughs> Let's turn to Revelation 7, 9 to 17. And after this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood around about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in this temple. He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them, and they shall hunger no more. Neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light upon them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of water. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. All kinds of people. Every tongue, every kindred, every nation, from all over the place. Now, if we had everybody, I mean, if this congregation was made up in equal proportions to everybody that lived in the world, and they came to church and they sat down here. We have a lot of different looking people. But when they got to heaven, they got all around the throne. They were all wearing the same thing. And that was white robes that were washed in the blood of the Lamb. Godly robes. They were white. In my picture of heaven, and I don't know why, that never really stuck out to me that everybody there is going to wear white. Now I'm thinking of all the nations, all the different with the different colors, and the eyes go up and down, and you know, and they're black and they have curly hair and black hair, all, all this, whatever. But I never really thought about when you look at that, they're all white. Everything is white. No shades, no light browns, no light grays, no pinks. We have all kinds of colors here this morning. That's great. They're all going to be white. 
If they aren't white, they're going to be there. Just think about that. If you don't have white robes, they're not going to be there. doesn't say they're all white, except maybe 5%. All white. All white. That's a thought-provoking fact. Turn with me to Revelation 3. Verse 14. In the annual of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest I am rich, and increase with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, open the door, I will come into him, and sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcome and sat down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Jesus says, Come, you can have a white robe. But remember, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. Buy of me gold tried in the fire, thou mayest be rich, and white raiment. So, you buy the gold, you buy the white raiment. So there's a cost. And notice, they cover our nakedness. So it's crucial what we wear. And that multitude, that no man can number, They'll all be wearing white robes. Now that white robe is not an accident. That white robe is not because your dad had a white robe or your mom wore a white robe. That white robe is because of a decision. See, robes are a decision. Like standing in front of your closet. What am I going to wear? So the question this morning is, what am I going to wear? It's a decision. And it's of utmost importance that we choose to wear what we choose to wear. And it's important that we what we choose not to wear. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, I go to Walmart and I see people as I wouldn't be caught dead in those clothes. The only way it would be is if I was dead and somebody put them on me. So... Now turn with me to Colossians 3.
If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When God, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And may I add, with white robes. Mortify therefore your members of which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the which time ye also walked some time when, when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, whether there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your heart, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful." Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all to the name of do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. If you are risen, verse one, we will be wearing resurrection clothes. Now, when the ladies went to anoint Jesus' body in the tomb on resurrection morning, what did they find? Grave clothes. Grave clothes. Right? They found clothes for dead people. They were left there. So was Jesus, after he resurrected, was he walking around in grave clothes? No. He was walking around in resurrection clothes. He put off the grave clothes, he put on resurrection clothes. So this morning, am I wearing the clothes of the dead or am I wearing the clothes of the living? Have I chosen resurrection clothes? We could ask ourselves, is it appropriate to wear grave clothes? I wouldn't think so. Clothes like those who are dead in trespasses and sins wear. That's what the Bible describes them. 
But let's look at verse 8. What kind of clothes should we put off? It says we should put some things off, and it says we should put some things on. Verse 8 says, We should put some things off. In the end of verse 9, it says, Why? It says, Because ye have put off the old man with his deeds. So these are grave clothes that Christians should be putting off. And he names them. When you choose your clothes, these are the things, if they're in your closet, you've got to put them away. And they are anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, and lying. These are the grave clothes that Christians should not be wearing. Anger. Now we talk about everybody is passionate about something, all right? Um, I'm passionate about woodworking. Maybe you're passionate about farming or whatever. Uh, passionate, we have, we should be passionate about our occupation or else we're not going to get anywhere. Uh, some people are passionate about model airplanes or whatever. But anger is passion out of control. Now, this morning, Moses had a passion for the underprivileged. Okay? But it got out of control. And he looked this way. And he looked that way. Ah, here's my chance. And he killed the Egyptian. And he hit him in the sand. That was passion out of control. Passion under control was when the shepherds came and he stood up for the seven maidens and said, no, 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 you're not going to do this. That's passion under control. Wrath is when our passion that has gotten out of control moves into physical action. It means that, that, that word in the Bible means heavy or breathing hard. Now, I'm getting really stirred up about this. And, I, and, 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 and you know, I'm, I'm angry. Okay, it's up here. I'm angry. But, but now, I'm going to do something about it. And, and I start getting physically stirred up about it. And, and so I'm, we're, we're going to take this situation into hand. That's wrath. Malice is just plain badness or depravity. Malignity. I don't know what the term malignity means to you, but malignity means a lot to my wife and to me and our family. When the doctor says you have a malignant melanoma, I tell you what, if there was a party, the party's over. It's the party's over. Now we're getting down to really, really, really serious things. Because this, the, then the question is, 
Has the malignancy spread or has it not spread? That's the next question. And when a doctor says, if it has spread, you can do anything you want, your wife will be dead in three years. That's malignancy. That's malice. Do we look at sin as a malignancy? You can have a touch of it. You can get rid of it. But if it is spread, it will kill you. Unless the great physician comes to your rescue. Blaspheming, vilification against God, or simply railing. Just railing and railing and railing. See, these are, these are grave clothes that you wore when you were dead. Filthy communication, which means vile conversation. Lying is to utter an untruth or deceive by falsehood. So all these things, all these grave clothes that he's telling us to put off are things that we stand in front of and we decide. Will I put them on? Will I not put them on? And we make those choices every morning. We stand in front of that that, that wardrobe of what I'm going to wear as a Christian today will I leave malignancy in my life? Will I be a person who rails? Will I have anger? Am I going to carry that anger that I had yesterday? Am I going to put that on today? Am I going to wear it? <clears throat> Well, I stand in my closet and say, you know what? I will pick that filthy rag and I will put it on. Dirty clothes, hamper clothes, ragged clothes, stinking garments. Am I going to wear them or am I not going to wear them? And it's a choice. No one can force me to wear the clothes that I wear unless I'm physically dead. I'm reading, not quite done, In God We Don't Trust by David Berceau. Do you ever have any questions about the origins of the United States of America and how Christian it was? Read this book. Amazing book. And I'll just read something that really got my mind going last week. And this is, this, is an, this is written in regards to the American Revolution. But the concept I want you to get. Not causes, but choices. Chapter 11. 
Like most American students, I took American history during my junior year of high school. And I remember that one of the questions on our semester exam asked us to list the causes of the American Revolution. I dutifully gave the answers we had been taught. Taxation without representation. The tyranny of George III. The Boston Massacre. Quartering of soldiers in private homes. Illegal searches. And other such things. That's exactly what the teacher wanted to hear. And as I remember, I got an A on the exam. In contrast, if I were asked today, what were the causes of the American Revolution, my answer would be, that is a bad question. It's like asking, what were the causes of John F. Kennedy's assassination? In other words, when we ask what caused something, we're implying that a given thing follows either naturally or at least lawfully from certain preceding conditions or events. For instance, it's, it's proper to ask what causes a lunar eclipse or smallpox? We can ask, what caused the success of Ford Motor Company in the early 20th century, or what caused a certain softball team to defeat a rival team? We might even ask, what were the causes of someone being fired or promoted? But we don't ask someone to list the causes of the robbery at the First National Bank. Nor do we ask someone to enumerate the causes of Jane Doe's murder. Why not? Because by the mere act of framing the question in that manner we transfer the blame for those crimes from the criminal to the victim. Nothing causes bank robberies. They are the result of a choice a criminal makes. So the proper questions are, why did John Smith rob the First National Bank? And why did Susan Jones Murder James Doe. In similar fashion, Christians should never ask what were the causes of an armed insurrection, which is what the American Revolution was. Nothing causes armed insurrections, just as nothing causes bank robberies. Those events are choices. For a Christian, they're unlawful choices. So the question we want to explore is this. Why did the colonists rebel against England? And the answer is that they failed to trust God. Now that is a thought-provoking few words.
So if I'm wearing grave clothes this morning, I cannot legitimately say, I cannot legitimately list the reason, the causes of my grave clothes. Because the simple fact that grave clothes are unlawful for, for Christians. See, if I'm going to get angry, we're talking about grave clothes this morning, if I'm going to get angry, nothing can cause me to get angry. Nothing can cause me to rail. Nothing can cause me to tell dirty, dirty jokes. Nothing can cause me to twist the truth. See, they are results of my personal choices. See, if I think in my mind that somebody or something caused me to be angry, I have deceived myself into thinking that it is the other person's fault. Just like the colonists was against England. They blamed taxes. You don't have to rebel against taxes. Nobody's forcing you to take up a gun because there's a three cent tax on, on tea. You do it because you choose to do it. I do it. When I blame something, someone else, if I stand up here and say, Lynn Miller makes me angry, that is a false statement. See, Lynn Miller cannot make me angry. Lynn Miller may do something that displeases me, but I choose to become angry. I choose to put on grave clothes in relation to what some Buddy did or some event that took place. Paul said, I die daily. You know what he's saying? He said, every day I got to take off my grave clothes and I got to put on resurrection clothes. Every single day, every week, every month, every year. Now you'd think if you change grave, your grave clothes off and put on white ones for a week, you'd be done. I don't know about you, but it's not that simple in my life. About time I think I got a whip and the, and the, and the white robes are on for good. I end up have to die again. Why did he have to take the grave clothes off and put the resurrection clothes on every day? I don't know. It had something to do with circumstances and probably had something to do with people. Paul had his critics. Maybe it was them. I don't know. But the question this morning to me is, what would this congregation look like? What would I'm part of this, all right? Okay. What would this congregation look like if everybody wore the clothes that God sees? 
the resurrection clothes or the grave clothes. So if I came up here and I had this pant leg just shredded and the bottom half was ripped off, okay? Old, pale, hairy, bony leg, nice dress shoes, sock, but I mean, just like bare from here on down, it's just all shredded up like some dog just took it off. Somebody says to me, so, so what happened to you? We can hardly pay our bills. You know what? It's just, it's just nip and tuck. Month after month after month. And you know what? My wife went out and bought a couple of three pieces of dress material. She got the whole stinking closet full and a pair of brand new shoes. And she got t seven pairs laying on the floor. So I put these old great clothes on. I'm going to wear them. I'll tell you what. burns me up. Or maybe she comes, or your wife comes, half the skirt's ripped off, and there's a big chunk out of the side. And said, what happened to you? My husband. I'll tell you what. He's just soft. The show them get, get, get by with bloody murder. That's what they do. They lift the mom off. He doesn't do anything. Everything's out of control, so I have to, I have to get ahead of it. I just got to take this thing in my, into my own hands and, 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 and run the house. That's what I have to do. Oh. Really? 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 Well, we've been looking at dead people's clothes. Let's look at something better. So let's stand in front of the closet and check out the resurrection clothes. <clears throat> so what's in the closet for God's people? Bowels of mercies. Kindness. Humbleness of mind. Meekness. Long-suffering. Forbearing. Forgiving. Charity. Do they cost something? Now these are white clothes. These are the kind of clothes... That if we're going to get to heaven, we're going to be wearing. They're the white clothes. The clothes that Jesus says, purchase from me. Buy them from me. It's going to cost us something. Bowels of mercies. The Bible talks about people whose bowels yearn for something. 
Okay, so this means inward affection. So, I'm tempted to be angry, but I walk up to my closet and I take off bowels of mercies. I choose inward affection to my brother and sister. And I find it interesting. I don't know about you, but I find it easier. I mean, it's, not, it's difficult. Okay, it's difficult for me to, say, forgive an ungodly person. But, you know, in my mind, I, I say, you know what, what, can else, what else can I expect? I mean, that's just who they are. What, that's just what ungodly people do. That's what dead people do. Dead people get angry. Dead people rail against God. Dead people do all these things we just talked about. But Paul, in this passage of Scripture, I find it challenging that he uses the words he's addressing God's people when he's talking about putting on white clothes. About choosing white robes. He uses the term, holy and beloved, elect of God, one another, your hearts, to which ye are called in one body. He uses these terms. Probably because he found it more difficult to deal with the emotions that happen among people and even among God's people for whatever reason. So he says, I'm going to choose inward affection. I'm going to choose kindness. I'm going to take that off. I'm going to put it on. I'm going to choose that. Kindness, usefulness, moral excellence, gentleness. I'm going to choose humbleness of mind, which means humility, or modesty. I'm going to choose meekness. I'm going to put it on. I'm going to choose long-suffering. I'm going to wear that white robe of forbearance and fortitude. Forbearance with endurance. Just keep going and keep forbearing and keep forbearing and keep forbearing. You see, that's probably not as hard for me as it is for you. I, I don't know, because you have to deal with me. I'm mean, probably, whatever, you know what I mean? I'm going to choose to forbear, to bear with, to endure. I'm going to forgive. And I found it interesting, this, this, this idea and original word, it's, it's gratuitously. Okay, you want a, a gratuity is? It, it, it's what you 
the money you stick under your plate at the restaurant. All right? We call it a tip. Okay? Now, I have to be honest with you. Uh, sometimes I feel like tipping more than others. We were on our trip west. And if you go to a motel and you get a free breakfast, after a while you get tired of them sponge eggs. I don't know, you know, they're about this thick, you know, little squares and stuff. It's like, oh, for pity's sakes. Not again, you know. And, and after a while, it's like, oh, they must buy them all from the same company, you know. This, this must be a worldwide thing, you know. And you got like six or seven things, and it's just motel after motel after motel. We got halfway down the west coast, and we hit a, uh, uh, I can't remember, something rocks, motel of some sort. I think it was the Best Western or something. And they had pre-continental breakfast, and then we went over there, and I'm telling you what. They had the chef and the cook in the kitchen, and it was obviously coming right off the grill. It was hot, and they were dumping them in them little pan things, you know, and, and it was the real sausages. It was the real eggs. It was the real pancakes. It was a real thing, and, you know, it's like, oh, I can't believe this. We're going to actually eat breakfast once. And it had a little tip thing there for the chef or whatever. And, and I threw as much in there for that breakfast as I think I paid at a restaurant. It's like, whoever is willing to break the cycle of ridiculous motel breakfast, I, I, I'm telling you. I was gratuitously gratitude or whatever it was. And it wasn't hard for me to throw money into that tip thing. It's like, whoever gets it deserves it. It carries gratuitous, gratuitously in kindness to pardon or to rescue somebody. To deliver them. Frankly, forgive. Can I tip my brother and forgive him and love every minute of it? You talk about a white robe. That's a white robe. Take that one down off the, off the rack and put it on. Charity. Affection or benevolence. And I like this one. It's a love feast. Charity among Christians is a love feast. We're going to celebrate. Resurrection clothes. White robes. Now I want to just stop here and give you a little window into ordination. Uh, maybe the congregation just looks a little... What all happens, you know, when they interview somebody? Or what all happens back there when they take the boats? Or what all happens? And, you know, it's like, so what does happen? Well, I'll give you a little window. One of the questions in an interview is this. 
Are you willing to endure hardship and misunderstanding and strive to maintain Christian composure in all trying circumstances you may need to face? That's a question. In other words, in, in, in today's, I mean, in this morning's perspective, in difficult times, when things are not going well, will you choose white robes? That's what it says. Will you choose affection instead of anger? Will you choose forbearance instead of railing? Will you choose love instead of depravity? Will you let the rule, the peace of God rule in your heart? Will you choose white robes? I'm telling you. The ordination questions are heavy questions. Seriously heavy questions. And you're going to say, I will. You see... I don't know what that's going to look like in heaven when all them white robes. I mean, it's, it says number that no man can number. I can tell you what, man can number pretty high, but it says it's a number that no man can number. I think it's just going to be as far as you can see with a white robe. That is going to be a sight to behold. But I tell you what, our world is looking at Prairie Church. Be included. And they're seeing our robes. Is it a beautiful sight? Is it an incredible sight? Is it an unusual sight? So we stand at a closet this morning. The question that I must ask myself, what robe will I wear today? Grave clothes? Resurrection clothes? The choice is a personal choice. The choice is ours. Why do I wear what I wear?